Hey guys, welcome back to the Life Snacks podcast, a podcast where we discuss health, wealth, relationships, and careers, how to truly create our greatest lives and navigate that crazy time in life that is life after college and in our 20s. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Lauren Tierney, personally obsessed with snacks and personal development and helping women be more connected as we navigate this crazy time in life. Today, I've got such a good episode for you guys. I am seriously smiling ear to ear as I edit this interview because it's it's honestly one of the best. And today we're talking to Amanda Getz. Amanda is the CEO and founder of The House of Wise, a luxury CBD company that empowers women to take control of their sex, stress, sleep, and workout routines. This conversation with Amanda was so good because she is so vulnerable and honest about the decisions she's made in her life and what she went through to get to where she is today. Amanda is open and honest about how she approached her 20s in this very check the box kind of way. Get married, have kids, get the job. And then she shares that she woke up and really had a midlife crisis. She got divorced. She became a single mom of three. She left her job to start a VC-backed business. And she goes back and reflects on her 20s and walks us through the mistakes she made and the advice she would give her younger self in those moments. We talk a lot about doing this unlearning and deciphering what belief systems in life are our own and maybe what parts of our life we're living based on the beliefs society or our families or our upbringing placed upon us. This conversation is so good. It literally pulled at my heartstrings. It was so real, raw and authentic and was just filled with so many tangible tips and tactical advice about the things you should be thinking about in your 20s and how to really put these things into action now so you don't wake up one day and feel like you're living a life out of alignment. So let's dive into this chat with Amanda about everything from navigating your 20s to career decisions to dating, divorce, and even cryptocurrency. I promise you this is a conversation you don't want to miss. Without further ado, here's Amanda Getz. Amanda, we like to start this podcast with the most important and telling question, and that is, what is your favorite snack right now? And what was your favorite childhood snack? Oh my gosh. Well, they're the same. I eat, this may be unhealthy and anybody that's like a health person may be listening like, uh, but I eat a bowl, like a whole bag of popcorn almost every night. Wait, do you have a favorite popcorn? Because that's my favorite snack. I'm like obsessed with lesser evil popcorn. So I I don't discriminate my popcorns. They need to be buttery. But like I literally, if I opened this closet right next to me, there is two Costco boxes of popcorn because I literally eat it every night. I've read like mixed things that you're not supposed to do this, but I can't help it. It's like my, it lasts a long time. Yes, it's because it's like you can snack on it for a while, right? Like you feel like you can eat a whole, yes. Yes. Yep. So that's it. And I did that. That was like my bonding moment. Every Friday night, my dad would make popcorn and I'd get to have like a caffeine free Coke. <laughs> like I, 
I'm sure that's not, that was not healthy, but I loved it. And it was just that, like, it's tied to emotion as well, but yeah. That's so funny. I get my popcorn lovingness from my dad. He eats like so much popcorn and that like my mom yells at him because she's like, Jim, like when I go to the movie, she's like, it hasn't even started, like stop (laughs) eating the popcorn. But I like, am just like him. So my mom's always like, you are your father's daughter. Oh my God, I love it. All right, Amanda, take us back to when you were in your early 20s and had just graduated from college. Who was Amanda then? What was she feeling? What were her beliefs? And what did she think she was going to do with her career and her life? Oh, my God. Um, Okay, so early 20s. I had just so I got engaged at 19, married at 21, graduated early. I was, you know, overachiever, 4.0, graduated top of my class type of person and moved to Chicago, was working at Ernst & Young, and I approached life as this like check the box activity where it's like, okay, college degree. My parents, neither of my parents went to college. So I was like, I need a college degree. Mm -hmm. Check. I need a husband check. And then I need a great career check. And then I was like, what is the next check the box? And, and what I found in my early twenties was that I slowly, as I checked each box felt more lost than ever. And so I had, I mean, you know, fast forward to anybody that doesn't know like my story, but like fast forward, I ended up filing for divorce. I had three kids under the age of four and quit my job to start a VC backed company. So in the whole premise of my whole company is helping women to live a a life more authentic and aligned to who they truly are and all that work that you need to do to figure out who you are so that you can get an alignment. Cause I think people want to skip that hard, messy, like unpacking of who they are to skip ahead to be like, I'm happy now. This is the thing. But without that work, you choose jobs, you choose partners, you choose digital identities, if you will, like who you want to who I portrayed on my social media in my twenties. Well, I mean, granted Instagram was not as good as it was. <laughs> I'm 36, but like Facebook, let's call it Facebook, but like who I portrayed was not the person I am today. And that it's pretty crazy when I look back and, and see who, like what my beliefs were. And I was raised you know, in Illinois, I was raised Catholic. Um, and so your values and belief systems, like you start to feel that tug of war of like what you think your your adult beliefs are and what you were raised to believe. Yes. And that is a really, really tough friction for so many people to say, well, my parents believed this. I was taught to believe this, but yet do I believe a lot of this and, and that's hard because you feel like you're rejecting your parents when you're not, you're just rejecting their belief system. So that's a very long answer, but um, it's a, a glimpse into who I was and who I am. Absolutely. That's such a good point. I think I was talking to a friend about this, but it's like, you are your parents' beliefs until 
But one day you woke up and you get this like a glimmer of, oh, wait, I could I could think something different. And like not everything they have told me growing up is the truth I have to live by. And I think that's so interesting to navigate going into the early 20s and you had three kids you were then doing the self-work you were going to maybe get a divorce you didn't know can you kind of tell us about that time when you really decided oh shit i think i checked all my boxes and i want to evolve into something bigger than what this is well so one very important clarifying point is that that work didn't start to happen until my 30s in my 20s I was staying so busy and I was just like, okay, I'm moving to Chicago. I'm now focused on career. And then if you ever read books about what, or, or just like research, what a midlife crisis is, what happens is we as humans find distractions so that we don't have to deal with discomfort. So you see some like marriages, this is a great example, right? Like you have kids together and then maybe you go from one house to another and then you're like, okay, well now I'll just start redecorating that house or, you know, and then then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now we focus on the kids and getting them to college. And then kids are out. You have all the things that you like were doing for all that time. You have the house you had a great career and now you're sitting there and you realize you're not happy. And that's when people have these, like what are called midlife crisis, but really it's just searching for Mm -hmm. who you were when you were pushing it down and distracting yourself. And my twenties, I like to say, like, I lived most, I lived like the, a normal person's like, up until their fifties yes. in my twenties, because I, I compacted it all. But I realized that my twenties was that distraction phase where, Oh, we're not happy. Let's move to New York city. Oh, we're not happy. Let me get a new job. And I kept looking for external things to fix when instead it was really like what I didn't know in my 20s was it was the inner work that I hadn't worked on to, to repair so that I could be intrinsically happy. And the extrinsic, like the, the external stuff doesn't matter to me anymore. Like I love my job. I love like, but I, I have no problem ending relationships or friendships or even jobs that no longer serve me because I know what's my happiness now. Uh, that is so good. I think that's advice we hear in some form on this podcast a lot in the sense that like you need to get quiet with yourself and figure out who you are and what makes you happy. Because until you do that, you're often looking at everything external. I just had this conversation with a girlfriend this week. She said, what's your biggest goal for 2020? And I said, well, what's yours? And she said, I want to stop focusing on external things to make me happy. And I think it takes like a lot of inner thought and work to realize you're relying on that. So how did you do that? And what advice would you give to my friend or just someone struggling to do that? So for me, I would say my thirties has been this work for sure. Um, And it was 
okay, let's get tactical. Cause I think people can talk yeah. and like, you know, find yourself. And yes. you're like, Fuck does yeah. That it's mean? like, follow your gut. And it's like, I don't yeah, fucking no. know. So let's, let's get tactical for a second. Like take an inventory of your life, right. Of all the things that take energy from you. And then start to like, really look at those and say, am I get, am I getting filled back with the energy I'm putting into it? Does it feel like a true, like if you had two glasses of water and you were just keep pouring back into one another, do you feel like it stays pretty? Like you get filled up sometimes, then you pour into it sometimes, and then it fills you back up. Like everything ebbs and flows in no relationship, in no career. Are you going to feel fulfilled a hundred percent of the time? Sometimes you are pouring into the thing because it needs you. And you start to deplete yourself, but in a good friendship, part romantic relationship job, at some point it shifts. And then when you need, when you're on empty or you need free, you know, refilled back up, they can turn around and pour it back into it. So like separate your life into, um, like, let's talk about the externalities. Think about where you're living how you're spending your time, your discretionary time. Like, do you feel like energized by the space that you're in? And that may require you to like, look, look around and say this, this like setup, or this isn't, this is no longer working, right? This vibe. Then you look at friends. This is the hardest one for, for women, for me, we are people pleasers and you feel like friendships are supposed to last forever. They're not. Let me like fast forward for you all. Like they don't. Many people I was friends with, texting with in my 20s, I have not talked to in years. And that is not because there was this massive fight or falling out. It's just it no longer served the same purpose. And the faster you realize that some friendships may last three months, some friendships may last a year, some friendships may last a couple of years. And then you do have a few people that you do life with, but the faster you take inventory on which of those friendships are not aligned with the person you see yourself wanting to become, and, and like people ask me, like, how do you end a friendship? And it's like a very simple conversation. Say, listen, it's just like a breakup, honestly. And you have to mourn it like a breakup. But you say, this is no longer serving me in the way that I feel like it needs to. This is not about anything you did or I did. I love you. I wish you all the best. But I'm going to, you know, remove myself from this relationship. and. That's every time you do that, you're creating space in your life for growth. Because if you surround yourself with all these things that are holding you back from the person you want to become, you don't have that space mm -hmm. to grow. You're like a potted plant in too small of a pot. Like you're not going to grow any more roots. So friendships, romantic relationships, I have, I can make anything work. Like I can like stay in something. 
I can, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I can figure mm-hmm. out solutions. I can chameleon myself to be good for someone. The work I had to do was, are they good for me? I was spending so much time in romantic relationships trying to be perfect for the other person. And then I wouldn't stop and think, are they perfect for me? Yeah. So that's the romantic side. And then the career side, this is, I mean, I was just talking to a friend in her late twenties last night about, she just doesn't know what she wants to do with her career. So many, I think of our listeners would relate to that specific piece. Cause I think so many people don't know you go to school, you get the job and then you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. So two things I'll say about this one, the work is in making a decision and then making it the right decision for you. There are no regrets. So oh, I've invested three years into the tech industry, but I'm feeling pulled to do, like for me, I was at Ernst & Young, big four accounting yeah. firm, hedge fund marketing, thought I was going to be this like power business suit woman on Wall Street, like one day. And I was like, I'm fucking exhausted. I want to do something fun. And I became a celebrity wedding planner. That's epic. (laughs) And I did that for a few years. And what it led me to was I saw an opportunity in the wedding industry and I launched a tech startup in the wedding industry. So your path is not linear. Follow whatever you're feeling called to. You may do that again for a year, for six months. You may learn something about yourself or about an industry or about people that you then take somewhere else. So stop feeling like it has to look like this linear path. Mine is so fucked up. Like people are like, wait, you planned weddings. I was like, yeah. I mean, I was like managing a brand, but like, yeah, I was planning weddings and I worked on a reality TV show and then I launched a tech startup and then that took me to the knot. And, Mm -hmm. and then now I'm, you know, know how to build companies and manage big teams. And, and so now I know how to build an actually like VC backed company, but it's piecemealed from those experiences all along the way. It's not, it was not perfect. Um, and so the career stuff, like you again have to create space and boundaries. And if that is a priority to you, like if you take that life inventory that we were just talking about of, okay, I'm looking at my, my home, my like discretionary time, how I'm using it. Then I'm looking at my relationships and now I'm looking at my career. If you realize that like you are maxed out in all of those things, you can't pursue one of them. And so you have to figure out which one you want to move forward and focus on that one. And the way I approach, I do personal OKRs. And what an OKR is, is an objective and a key result. And a key result is a measurable thing. And so let's take like seek joy as an objective. Okay. That is such a like, like law, like ethereal, whatever, like cloud blurry term seek joy but then you tie key results to it and key results are quantitative things and so for me 
some of my key results are I want to host a game night in my home once a quarter with friends in my new home of Miami. I just moved to Miami a few months ago. So that is one. Two is every quarter I want to take a class that kind of terrifies me. So I booked like a pole dancing class and I just did a graffiti class with my kids the other week. But you have to tie quantitative things because otherwise you're going to be like, I want to work out more or I want to go to bed early and I want to get off TikTok. And those are very, very blurry things. You have to really create like quantitative things that you can hold on to that you can say, did this find me more joy? And if you say no, then you're like, okay, what's my next KR that I want to put in there and say, I, and, and like for me, solo travel is a big thing. I've never taken a trip on my own because I've always been reliant. I was married for 11 years. I was always reliant on my relationship status for vacations. Like, oh, I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend right now. Like I, I can't like go on a vacation. And so I'm like, fuck that. I need to take a trip, like a trip by myself. Mm -hmm. This is independent. So those are just like more concrete examples of how you can look at your life, take inventory, and then start to like provide some frameworks to move each bucket forward. I love how tactical that was. And OKRs, I was actually just updating my end of Q2 OKRs yesterday at work. And it's so tactical, right? It's like, did I do these six things? Did I land these five new partners or whatever it is? But just like you said, it needs to be measurable. And I think sometimes we don't see that. And then another thing that you're saying, which is so, so important, I want you to talk more about about it is you've allowed yourself to evolve. And I think that comes with letting go of friends, changing jobs, getting out of relationships. But often as women, I think especially, we feel like we need to put ourselves in this one box. And I know you talk about this at the House of Wise a lot with, am I a mom? And I, am I a career badass? Am I this? Am I that? But allowing yourself to be all of the things and to move through all of the things. So can you tell me more about that? And then kind of a little bit how that ties into the company that you're building today? Yeah. So in my twenties, I sought my identity from these boxes, like you just said, right? Like I'm someone's wife, so I have to act in this way. And then I became a mom and society expects this of me. And my identities became codependent, like meaning because I'm this, I can only be this Mm -hmm. in this bucket. And the freeing part when my life kind of it not imploded because it felt like controlled chaos, but like having three kids under the age of four and choosing to be a divorced woman is, and my company at the time was being acquired. So I was merging with our competitor, like every aspect of life felt like max capacity chaos. But the freedom in that is that I no longer gave a fuck what anyone thought Mm -hmm. like when you get to that point where you have been living your life for 
someone else's approvals and that someone else can be society, right? Like that's a very, very real thing. The way society has passed along narratives of who we are supposed to be. And I, I want to be very clear on that. Understanding what was given to you versus what is actually you is a very clear like work that needs to happen within each of us as women. Because when you think about what has been passed down to us, I took a class on cultural imprinting, meaning it was a marketing class and it was about what the media and what was on pop culture, what was happening out there when somebody was in their imprinting phase, which is like zero to five, is actually like kind of what their beliefs are and, and like what they saw with their parents doing, et cetera. And so when you think about the generation that raised me, um, what was on TV? It was stay-at-home housewife, guy goes to work, is the breadwinner, she takes care of all the housework, she, you know, is taking care of the kids, right? That was what we were culturally imprinted on. And my work was, I thought I had to do all that stuff. But what I actually was, was like, I have a lot of ambitions. I want to be like, you know, uh, a unicorn VC backed like business, a billion dollar business. And so what the struggle was, is I picked a partner or I picked um, like a cadence in life where I felt like I was supposed to take on all these responsibilities and yet didn't want any that. Like I, I woke up and I was like, this is not the life I wanted but it was handed to me because I felt like that was my role. And I took pride in being able to do all of that because that's like, I had a stay at home mom. And so I saw her take care of the house and take care of the kids and, you know, book my dad's doctor's appointments and make sure he was taken care of. And I was like, okay, so I equated that as good wife, good mom. And what happened over time is that I like released what once you become conscious of what are those subconscious narratives that were passed to you, once you become conscious of them is when you can say, do I accept it or do I want to, you know, say no, that mm -hmm. is not me. And I quickly became like, like my sexuality, for example, like if we were to go to dinner and start talking like you, we would like at some point, if the, if the conversation went there, like you would know everything about me if like that was where it went, because I believe we should talk about our sexual health and our sexuality so that we don't feel stigmatized and trapped. And, and I do that anyway. And so I, when I became single, I felt freedom, but I was like, wait, why didn't I own my sexuality when I was a mom? and married. And I, I really dove into that because like, that's pretty fucked up that I didn't feel like I could post a picture of me in a bikini on social media because I was married and a mom when 
I love my sexuality and my body. And I, I wish I would have explored and leaned into that more when I was married. And so this whole, like all of these identities wrapped up into like me wanting to start a company that has products at its core. Mm-hmm. Like we, we are CBD products. We have sleep, sex, stress, strength, but even more than that, we're, we're a community led commerce company where women come together to remove the shame and guilt of leaning into all of these identities. And I hear it all the time. Like if I post something about like, like for Christmas, I bought myself a boudoir shoot to like celebrate that my body got through a pandemic and I want to like celebrate that. And I did a boudoir shoot the day my divorce was being finalized. Like I, I, I post these pictures and women are like, thank you for like talking about yeah. these things because I want to do them, but I feel shame because no one else is talking about them that look or feel like me, someone who is also wanting, you know, I'm not like an Instagram model that's trying to, you know, just post no shame in that anyway. But like, but I'm also like, like there's a picture of me holding a baby next to like my ass. And, And like, if you look at my grid, you're like, huh, she doesn't give a fuck. And, and it's like, but none of us should, because we're all of those things all of the time. And when you're putting your digital identity in a way that you're like trying to project someone you're not, that's when you start to feel misalignment in your life. And that's where, for me, depression and anxiety starts to kick it. That's, oh, it's so good. And it's so true because it's like, I think so many women feel that way, but they struggle in the dark. Like they don't talk about it, right? Like your mom friends feel like they could talk to you about their mom problems, but they can't tell you about like their sex problems. Exactly. And I think that's exactly what you're doing as at your company. And I want to talk about how you're doing things so differently and how your sales model is so differently, because I believe I heard that you give your wise women, like it's 20% they get of their sales. And that is a, big number, bigger than most. And Mm -hmm. it's a company by women for women. That's so you're really building this community that empowers women in all aspects. So how did you create this company so intentionally? I wish I could say it was intentionally. Um, It was truly just how would I, I, I had the luxury of like, I'm building a company from scratch. And that is I've been a marketer my whole life. I don't, Facebook is owned by a man, Mm -hmm. Google owned by men. I don't want to give all of the VC dollars that are likely, luckily my cap table is primarily women, but like Mm -hmm. less than 3% of VC dollars go to women. Right. So like, why would I spend all of my time and effort raising all this capital to give it back to men who are not thinking about women's needs and, and safety. And so there's that coupled with the fact that CBD and sexual health products still have a lot of just like misinformation and stigma. And if, if we were to go to dinner and you were like, oh my God, I just bought like the 
best vibrator I've ever had in my entire life. Right. Like I'd be, I'd be like, I want to get it. If you, I trust you, you're my friend. Yeah. And that is how women are. And so when you pair that with the trends of marketing landscape, which is we are now, there's a lack of trust in, in general, like in society, right? We don't trust government. We don't even, right now, the CDC is a meme. Like we mm-hmm. don't know who to trust because there's so much misinformation. When I see that tailwind, I think, where are we go? Who are we going to trust? It's going to shift back to people, people we know, not a person on an Instagram ad, but people that you have an emotional connection to. And so for me, emotional connection means either someone I know in my circles or someone that I have been following their journey or I listen to their podcast. And so our marketing channels have been a hundred percent like we do some halo. I'm I'm not going to lie. Like we do some halo brand advertising now that we need to like scale because we're a VC company, but, um, but we focus the majority of our marketing spend on giving that back to the women who will talk about it and talk about how they use it. And then we use their, their like UGC in our ads. So it, again, it's still putting them at the heart and then they get that money if their link is, you know, purchased from, but it's just keeping women at the heart of everything that we do in our core value. Our first core value as a company is we are humans first. Mm-hmm. And that also uh, is a great, I guess, like it, it describes how we're also building the culture of the company. So we are a four day work week. So today is Friday. Our, my team is off. We are a 30% sync, 70% async work culture. Uh, so I, and we're good. saying that we are like one of our other core values is building the future we want to live in. And the future we want to live in is not a nine to five because if society won't shift the support for women, meaning more affordable childcare. Like we cannot keep depending on someone else or seeking a savior to fix the problems. So instead I want to build a company that shows how other companies can mirror or, or build a framework and a workplace and a culture that still hits goals, but gives the space and freedom for women to be all the roles in life that we have, which is usually primary, primary childcare or, or even not even childcare, but like adult care, like as parents age or someone, women step into that caregiver role primarily. And so we have to create space. So we have a very, very good, very strict, um, you know, OKR process operating rhythm to allow for, us to be off doing the things we need to be doing and doing our work when we can and in our best time. Like, you know what goals you need to hit. Yeah. Like if you worked for me and I was like, here are your goals for this week. Are we aligned on the strategy you are using to hit your goals? Those are the only two things I need to 
then go do whatever you need to do. And there is no guilt, shame and like clear expectations of like, if I need to reach you, how can I do so? So we use our Slack like notification to say like, if I'm going to the gym for two hours because my brain is fucking fried, I put that there's no shame or guilt, but it creates expectations of like, cool, Amanda's at the gym for two hours. She's not looking at anything. Here's when I, I can expect to hear back from her. Those three things paired together should allow you to go do live your best integrated life. Right. But and do better work. work. Like yes. do better work on your own time because like, I know for me, my best work hours are in the morning. Like I'll start Same. working on stuff and like getting like big executions done at like five in the morning, Same. but that's when my brain is firing. If you want to talk about that stuff with me at 3 PM, I actually don't have much left to give usually. Same. And I think that's, that's okay. And that needs like, you're showing from the top down that like, we just need to know what shit we're trying to get done and align on our goals and what we're getting done when you do, it doesn't matter. I think that is so important. And you're finding, especially because of COVID a lot more companies, some are, some aren't, but are like understanding this more like integrated work life. Like everyone on my team puts their therapy on their calendar. Like I pinged my boss yesterday and I was like, we have this new weekly meeting and it's over my therapy. Do you want me to move that? And she's like, oh, no worries. But I think it, sh it should be that way. So, so powerful what you're doing. I want to talk about the community and kind of, so there's a Slack channel that your wise women are in. And mm -hmm. I know you have goals around educating women on investing cryptocurrency, things like that. Yep. What goes on in that Slack channel? What are your big goals around that? That's something that's very personal to my thought process and goals around like yeah. this idea that I think it's four, 4% of women hold crypto wallets and like 87% of Bitcoin is held by men. Yep. Um, how are you talking about that? How are you educating women? What are your goals on that? You nailed it. Um, and as someone who went through a divorce to someone who was very, very, uh, you know, like knows crypto, mm -hmm. Um, I learned the hard way and I was like, fuck this. I need to learn because men, like if you look at, this is scary, but if you Google how to hide money in a divorce, it is all Reddit articles by men telling them how to put their crypto, where to put it, mm -hmm. et cetera. Like we will not break out of a patriarchal society if we do not learn yes. the same things, right? Yeah. We will, become we will continue to be dependent because the wealth gap is widening because of this new, um, the future of currency. And so what are the two barriers stopping women from doing this? The first one is the wealth gap. We have a lower risk tolerance. We make, you know, 87 cents to every male mm -hmm. dollar. Like there is a wealth gap. And so when we are like, do I put a hundred dollars here or do I go put it in my savings account? So I know it's okay because Bitcoin's very volatile. And what if I lose it, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So we have lower risk tolerance. That's number one. And number two is just like, I call it like the outsider's dilemma, but I, there's got to be a better term for it, but it feels like a boys club. And, and imagine be like, if we took social media and made it like we took a football field and like put all the people and put every tweet thread together, 
you would see men are talking to men about this. Men are talking to men about this. Like in real life, you would see that. It would be so fucking intimidating to walk up and be like, hey, can you guys talk to me about this? Like, and yeah. when you have no knowledge and they've been talking about it for years and they're, they're using language and terminology that you're like, wait, blockchain, what is that? Mm -hmm. I don't even know what that means. And like web three, is that the metaverse? What the fuck is the metaverse? Yeah. Are we living in the metaverse? Is that, do I have to wear goggles in the metaverse? Yeah. Like, you literally are so confused. And I like, I'm come from the Midwest. Like I, I'm the hardest working person in the room. I'm not the smartest person in the room. So I can explain things in a way that I think people can grasp it. And I want women to learn about this stuff so that they feel it empowered. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want, I, do I think every woman needs to go fucking buy an NFT right now? No. Do I think that she needs to get curious and ask questions so she understands the fundamentals of why it's happening? Yes. And so in our Slack channel, it's awesome because it's literally like one place where I can say, fuck, I got HPV. Has anybody ever had this before? I, like, I have to get this thing. I don't know. I'm terrified. Am I going to die? Do I like all the way to how do I create a crypto? Like, where do I buy Bitcoin? Like, do I buy it? Do I earn it? Should I use Coinbase? Should I use Gemini? Like, like, what do I do? How do I like transfer this? What is like, I've heard this phrase dollar cost averaging. What the fuck does that mm -hmm. mean? Like, we can talk about all of that in one place, which is way less exhausting for me. And then it's like, oh, by the way, like, here's a cool thing I do with my kids today. If anybody's like here, like do that or whatever, like it, you should be able to like integrate those things so that it deepens the connections, but also you feel like you don't have to like posture to like pretend, you know, more some, about something than you don't like, if you joined a crypto community, you'd be so concerned about like, do they think I belong here? Totally. Versus this is a community of women. We all belong. Yeah. And like, let's talk about all these things. And now you're not thinking about like, do I belong? Right. Absolutely. It starts within our communities. And I, I think just looking at my boyfriend's group chat and what they're talking about versus what we're talking about. Like I have one friend that I could talk to crypto about crypto and like web three with, and it's creating these conversations, but also as women, I think we need to be a little bit more open to these conversations because it does feel intimidating. And then I hear amongst women, like, Oh my God, I have no idea what that is. Like who the fuck knows who cares? Like, but it's like, we need to care because it matters. And like, just being able to have candid conversations of like, Hey, can I, can you tell me what that is? Is so powerful. It's been so powerful for me as a young woman, just being like, what the fuck is that? Like you said, like web three, the metaverse, like, I don't know. Yeah. You had, you created an NFT of your tweet <laughs> and we have to talk about it because it's like so, so fucking epic. It's on my phone, pulling it up. Um, oh my God. It's so good, Amanda. This, you said, your tweet said, finalized a divorce, move states, raise three kids, uh, 
grew a D2C company to 1 million run rate in the first year through community and navigated dating life as a single mom. And this wonderful man, Daniel, retweeted it and said, probably best to avoid this type of women. And you said, because you can't control this type of woman. Yeah, you should stay far away. Otherwise, your masculinity might be threatened. And then you made this thread into an NFT. Well, because then Daniel replied to me and said, sorry, I meant for marriage. You should have been specific. specific. And I was like, oh my my God, God, this is so, and he is like a real person. Like people follow him. And I was like, what the fuck? And so I was, I was very, I had just broken up with the guy I was seeing like literally the day before. And so I was feeling very, very, a little bit aggressive. I see. Normally I don't reply to reply guys that are like that. I'm like, you're a troll. I'll block you, whatever. But I was like, oh, not feeling it. So I retweeted not today. It. Yeah. I was like, not today, Daniel. <laughs> so I retweeted it and said, might make this into an NFT. And the person who buys it gets to marry me as like a complete joke. And mind you, I did not know how to make an NFT. Mm-hmm. I was being a hundred percent facetious. <laughs> so funny. And then it was exactly like what we were just talking about of the fact that I didn't know how to do that was pissing me off. And a gu- like a guy in the UK pings me and he said, you should do it. And I was like, I don't know how. <laughs> and good for you for saying that. Huh? I said, good for you though, for saying that. Oh, like, yeah. I don't know I how. Was, yeah. I was like, I, I literally I, don't, I don't know, know how, how. <laughs> like- he sent me an MP4 file, which basically is just a fancy phrase for like, he made the tweet like into this thing that like moved. Yeah. Like a so video that almost fancier. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it was like, it, I could have just screenshotted it and made it into, mm-hmm. um, and that would have been fine too, but he made it this like cool thing. And I then Googled like how to mint an NFT. And it was a YouTube, literally a YouTube thing. I had it up on my second screen. Can learn anything. Right. Had it up on my second screen. And then literally like would go 10 seconds at a time. It would be like, okay, step one, do this. And I would go and I'd do it. And then I like just kept chipping away at it. And within two hours, I had figured it out. It was on like it was on open sea. Um, I had like, I had a couple things that I didn't figure out how to do. Like I, I had to like delete two tweets while I was doing it. Cause I thought I had did it. I, I thought it was like live and then it wasn't people were like, it's not live. You're just like in the process. I was like, fuck. Okay. And then I took <laughs> it down, but, and then I sold it and, and I changed it. Obviously people don't get to marry me, but um, <laughs> that I, it, was like, it was for a date or slash. Like I just said three hours with me and you can use that time of like, Obviously not however you want, yeah. um, but, but like is this mentorship, like this mentorship, yeah. it could be like, and I, I was like, no one's going to like, whatever, it's not going to go, but it was more just like women can make money off of like trolls like this. And sure enough, within a week, I put it as a week time limit. So on New Year's Eve, it sold for a full Ethereum, which is like $3,000. 
fucking epic. It was awesome. It was like a bidding war at the last bit. And like guys were DMing me being like, I'm bidding. And I was like, cool. Um, (laughs) Thanks. But it ended up being this really nice guy from San Francisco who loved that I was doing that to like help women. And we're going to a heat game next month. Oh my God. Stop. That's incredible. It's so funny, but I got so many DMS from women being like, how did you do this? And I was like, see, that's what I want people to do is be like, step. Oh, sorry. There's a train coming. Step one is get curious. That's all it is. Step one doesn't have to be go buy an NFT. Step one is ask that one question. Yeah. How did you do this? If you see your, your, you know, in a heteronormative sense, if you see your boyfriend or husband talking to his friends say, Hey, can, can we talk about this? Like ask that first question and be like, you love me. We're in a relationship. You love me. You know, I'm a smart person. This makes my brain feel like mush. And rather than making that a meme on TikTok, can we sit down and talk about this so that I can understand it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's all it is. It's asking a question, starting with a podcast. Like I've learned so much on the Bankless podcast, just listening to like the first five episodes of like basically crypto for dummies, right? Letting yourself learn and be curious in all aspects of your life. I want to finish by talking about Housewives and the products itself. I actually have the sleep, sex, strength, and stress all arriving, all arriving on Monday because I was waiting to order them and I'm so excited, but how do you use these in your everyday life? How can we take these? Um, what is like, why CBD doesn't CBD make you sleepy? All the questions you probably get way too much and we could all Google, but give us like your little elevator pitch. They're, they're, they're great questions. So why CBD is, is the first question. So when I was going through my divorce and dealing with a lot of anxiety, um, I was having a ton of anxiety attacks and I just felt like I couldn't get it together. And I slowly started to take inventory of the things that I could control. And alcohol was a big one. I could see a direct causation. It wasn't even correlation night. I would drink even And if it was just like my mommy glass of wine Mm -hmm. that like society like celebrates, right. The next day anxiety. Yeah. And so I was like, fuck, I have to, I have to, I, I am not a like binary person. I don't believe it has to be all or nothing, but I believe in intentional. And, and so whatever your intention is to like follow through with that. And so for me, I don't drink unless it's like, I am going out and I know that I'm going to be hung over and I want to yeah. have, you know, tequila or whatever. But other than that, I don't touch alcohol. And so CBD came into my life. I started to research it, cannabis industry, like all that it, it is and the history of it's fascinating and also so sad and um, and so I started to research CBD and I realized that there was a sh- lot of shit product out there. Product yeah. that is not like controlled. CBD coffee shop drinks and stuff. And you're like, what is that? Am I going to get stoned? Yeah. Like, right. Well, that it's like it's this full spectrum of like many have placebo effects because it's isolate that they like got from somewhere and they don't know where they just slapped a label on it all the way through to they're not controlling the THC and I would have bloodshot eyes and I would feel stoned. I was like, 
I am a high functioning business woman with three toddlers. I can't have either of those things. And so I wanted to create something that I knew I could trust with functional ingredients. And so that's the most important part. So we have an ECS, an endocannabinoid system in our bodies. There are CB1, CB2 receptors that kind of act as air traffic control of your central nervous system. And sometimes we're overstimulated and sometimes we're understimulated. And taking cannabinoids helps to, like they're kind of adaptogens, they adapt to what you need. So when you're understimulated, it helps to bring you back up when you're overstimulated, et cetera. So CBD does not make you sleepy, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's, it's, it helps to bring you down if you're up. But then paired with functional ingredients, let's take the strength one, because I think that that's the one that people are like, wait, what? A pre-workout with CBD? But CBD has this powerful uh, binding functionality. And so it'll bind to an active ingredient and heighten the effects of it. And so I can actually not put as much active ingredient into something I have a caffeine sensitivity. Like I'm drinking decaf coffee right now. I, if I were to have real pre-workout, I would be so jittery. My heart would be beating like crazy. So I was like, I want something that would allow me to have the energy boost I need to get a good workout in. And so we only needed, because we paired it with our full spectrum CBD, put in 60 milligrams of natural caffeine and then beetroot juice and then by uh, B vitamins, the beetroot juice brings oxygen to your muscles so you don't fatigue as fast. But all those together gives it a perfect pre-workout energy boost with CBD as kind of the, we call it the foundational ingredient of all of them. And so sleep has melatonin, stress has L-theanine and amino acid, um, And then sex has three active ingredients that are sex gummies are our number one seller because there's really no other product like it on the market that is libido enhancing. And so there's three active ingredients that help with increased blood circulation, because obviously, I mean, why does a guy get a boner? Blood is circulating to his penis and it gets hard. We have the same thing. Like we need blood to circulate to our clitoral region, et cetera, um, for us to increase stimulation and sensitivity. So the active ingredients do that and also increase lubrication. And so the first thing you notice when you take a sex gummy is that like your mouth starts to water a little bit more and you're like, wait, what the heck? Um, And so those are our four kind of pillars, but the pillars are really important because I believe long-term house of wise is truly like the antidote to technology because the more and more we're on technology because society is moving us in that way, the harder it is for us to get back into our bodies. And so the, the products themselves give you that, like that space, that intentionality. Like when I take a sleep gummy every night, I know I have 30 minutes before it really starts to activate and kick in. So for me, that time is when my phone goes down, Mm -hmm. I take a bath, I read like as many pages until I start to get really sleepy and then that's it. And that's my signal to myself that this is now this space of my day. And same with sex, like with or without a partner, like you have to get intentional about that shit. You have to create space for you to get in the mood mentally first. And so again, you take a sex gummy. It's like, okay, maybe I'll go put on a playlist. I'll go, you know, do some yoga or I'll go, you know, take a bath 
And then that's creating that like reminder to your brain that like, okay, you're transitioning into this other identity or other part of yourself. And that's good. I'm so excited to try and I'll link all of the products in the show notes because I know we don't have time to dive into it, but there's a lot of content behind House of Wise. We talk about women embracing their sexuality and so many other things. So I urge our listeners to check those out. Amanda, I have to ask you my closing question. And that is, what is one piece of advice you would give to the Amanda who just graduated from college? Go to therapy. Like, honestly, like that, having someone, I, I probably would have made different choices. I have no regrets in life, but um, make your subconscious conscious so that you feel in the driver's seat and not other people who handed you things that you are not, that are no longer yours. Uh, so good. Everyone listening, find a therapist, go to therapy. Amanda, I will link everything in the show notes, your Instagram, the House of Wise, the website, your Twitter. Is there anywhere else we should check you out? No, those are all the main things. My Twitter is more business. My Instagram is more like behind the scenes, life, mom life, etc. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Amanda. I absolutely love her, love the company she's building. Head to the link in the show notes to purchase House of Wise products. And if this resonated with you, screenshot it, share it on social, tag Amanda, let her know what you thought of the conversation. I know she would love to hear from you. And as always, if you haven't left us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify, please take a second to do that. It truly means the world to me. That's all for me, guys. I'll be back next week with another episode.